Hi, and welcome to Ask Wardy. I'm Wardy, a wife and mom of three, lead teacher, blogger, and founder of traditionalcookingschool.com. I'm also the author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Fermenting Foods. Ask Wardy is the weekly show devoted to answering your niggling questions about traditional cooking. Maybe it's your sourdough starter, your sauerkraut, preserving foods, broth, superfoods, or anything else to do with traditional cooking. You can catch Ask Wardy live each Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, that's 1 p.m. Eastern, or through the podcast and video replays at askwardy.tv. And now, let's get to today's show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Ask Wardy. This is the weekly show where I answer your questions about traditional cooking. Today, we're talking about carbs in different foods, grains, beans, dairy, and whether or not using the traditional methods of sprouting, culturing, or sourdough slash fermenting can reduce the carb load. The reason is because one of the most effective ways to uh, lose weight and also manage other things really is to reduce excess sugars in the diet and foods like grains, beans, and dairy have carbs and carbs are sugars. There may not be the sugar sugar that you think of, but they are the starches and the, sh- and the, the sugars within those foods that um, maybe we're getting too much of. And I'm not trying to call into question all carbs. What I'm trying to suggest though, is if you need to lose extra weight, or if you're dealing with diabetes or gut issues, um, or you're trying to um, you know, do, do a diet plan like Trim Healthy Mama, that reducing those excess carbs may be helpful to help you reach your goals. So that's what we're discussing today. It's a question that came in from Matthew M., who's working on weight loss and building up health and immune and immune system and him and his family. He says, I've been a member for close to a year. I have a couple questions. I'm trying to bring down my weight and at the same time improve my health and immunity, actually for all my family, which I love. We're all trying to do that. One way I'm trying to do it is to reduce my carb intake. When sourdough is made from spelt or einkorn or sprouted wheat, are the anti-nutrients, gluten, carbs, and sugar reduced too? Does kefir made from grass-fed raw A2 milk contain carbs or sugar? Does sprouting eliminate carbs and anti-nutrients from legumes or lentils or beans? Great question, Matthew. There's a lot of information in there, so we're going to unpack it. My, my, my main answer, my bottom line for you right now is it depends. And I, I just can't say we're going to unpack that, but it really does depend because you've brought in a lot of issues with gluten and carbs um, and the different types of foods. And so it has to depend because we're talking about different methods also. We're talking about sourdough or sprouting or culturing. We're talking about the different foods. So it really does depend. Um, all of the foods, though, that you're talking about, the grains, the legumes slash beans, the dairy, they do all have carbs in the form of sugars. So in the grains and beans, it's the starches um, and the complex carbohydrates. In the dairy, it would be lactose, which is milk sugar. So all of them have carbs. And so you're right if you're trying to lose weight and you're getting too many of those, um, that it could be a good idea to reduce it. Of course, I'm not making a recommendation and everybody's slightly different. The diet plan Uh, that I follow using traditional foods, Trim Healthy Mama, I have, um, I eat a limited amount of these carbohydrates. I don't ever go overboard. Um, 
but I eat some of them. So within everybody's sort of plan that they're working on for improving gut health or managing diabetes or losing weight, it could be that you have some, it could be that you have none. And I'll leave that up to you. We're gonna to talk today, Matthew, about the issue of do the traditional methods have an effect on carbs, okay? So I wanna break it down now um, because sprouting and souring slash fermenting slash culturing they can reduce the carbs in foods if the temperature's warm enough, if it's done long enough. And we're gonna go through the different food groups and I'll give you more specifics, okay? So first we're gonna start with um, the sprouting and souring of grains and beans. So examples would be, um, like this is our sourdough bread. This is our no-need einkorn sourdough bread and I do have a recipe linked for you at askwardy.tv or look below this video if you want this free recipe. It's a no need and a lot of times I make it in an artisan loaf, but I also make it in loaf pans too like this. So we have really soft, wonderful sliced bread. So you can take your grains like einkorn, which is an ancient variety of wheat or your spelt or your wheat and you can use sourdough to turn it into bread. You can also um, take your beans and grains, and I have an example here of einkorn berries. These are the, the grains of einkorn. And um, you can sprout these as well, and you could turn them into flour, and then turn them into bread and combine with sourdough, so you have a lot of options, but that's what we're talking about. So I wanna talk about these two particular methods. now. Traditional food prep methods, if you say them in order, you say soak, then sprout, then ferment. Ferment can also be called culturing, it can also be called sourdough if you're talking about grains, okay? They're in order of effectiveness. And I'm not gonna talk about soaking today because soaking, to my knowledge, doesn't really have an effect on carb reduction. So we're gonna focus on sprouting and we're gonna focus on sourdough slash culturing slash fermenting. And when you're talking about grains and we're gonna talk about the Besides soaking, we're going to focus on sprouting right now. So sprouting is where you take your berries, which are, you know, beans or grains, I lost that one. Um, you take it, and by introducing warmth and water, so you're kind of like mimicking what would happen in the soil, you're converting it from its storage dry state as a seed, if you will, into a young plant. And that conversion means that the bound up carbohydrates that are stored in this seed become food for the young plant that's gonna grow out of this. So during that conversion, the, um, the, the, the more complex starches or whatever, if you will, that are in here, the sugars are gonna get, become food for the plant. So the longer that process goes, the more of them are consumed by the seedling that grows out of them, if that makes sense, okay? the stored starches are becoming food for the young plant, and so yes, the carbs are reduced. Um, when you're souring grains, which is like you're making sourdough bread like this, you're combining your flour, so you're grinding up your seeds, which may be sprouted, you're grinding them up into a flour and you're combining them with a sourdough starter. A sourdough starter is a batter of flour and water that has been cultured and nurtured over time to make it a thriving ecosystem of beneficial bacteria and yeast. And these get combined with your flour and you allow your dough to sour for a certain amount of time. You know, a minimum would be five to six hours, but I heard from a lady the other day who's making this noni bread and she's souring it for 36 hours. So you can go a long time. And during the souring time, the organisms that are in this starter eat 
the starches and the sugars that are in the flour, therefore reducing the carbs. Make sense, everyone? So in the case of sprouting, it's really a function of how far the seed goes to the young plant, how much is converted into or getting consumed by the young plant. And in sourdough bread, it's a function of the warmth and the amount of time that the starters organisms are with the flour to eat the sugars. So in both cases, there is a reduction of carbs because the organisms are eating it in the case of sourdough, the young plant is eating it in the case of a sprouted seed. And this applies to beans as well, because you can grind beans into flour and ferment it and sour it in dough. Um, you can sprout beans and the same kind of thing happens. Okay, <laughs> um, and you can combine, like I said. So you can take sprouted grains, you can grind them and dry them, grind them into flour, and then use them in a dough that's soured with a sourdough starter. Isn't that cool? I mean, there's just so many different ways you can take this. But the bottom line is, you will get a reduction in carbs by sprouting or sourdough. How much? Gonna get to that in a bit because hmm, may not have a perfect answer for you. Um, and as a reminder, my free no-need bread recipe is linked with this video, or you can go to um, Ask40.tv, look for this episode 95 to find a link. If you're on Facebook, Millie's pasting it there in the comments. Okay, now what about dairy? So <laughs> there's no sprouting of dairy. And um, so we're just going to be talking culturing, which like sourdough, there's organisms that do the work. So if you're making yogurt or you're making kefir, or you're making cheese, you're introducing a culture, which are beneficial organisms and they are consuming the milk sugar as their food source. So whereas sourdough bread, you have the sourdough starters, organisms eating the starches and sugars. In culturing dairy, you're taking milk, introducing a culture, and the organisms in that culture are consuming the milk sugar, okay? So, I mean, souring, whether it's sour dairy or whether it's sourdough bread, very similar in terms of that process. Um, and again, remember when I was telling you about sourdough, that the starter combined with the flour, how warm it is, the longer and the warmer, the more reduction in carbs you have. The same thing is pretty much true of culturing dairy. So um, depending on the temperature that the organisms feel is ideal, the longer they're at that ideal temperature, the more milk sugar that they're gonna consume. When I make yogurt, which I've got a free yogurt recipe linked for you with this video, it's a thick raw milk yogurt recipe. You can preserve the nutritious and beneficial properties of your raw milk and turn it into yogurt. Side note, often yogurt recipes have you pasteurizing the milk. So if you start with raw, you pasteurize it, then you culture it. Well, in my recipe, you don't have to pasteurize. You can take your raw milk and keep its properties and still make yogurt. So I've got that recipe for you at askwardy.tv. Um, so, but with yogurt or kefir, those kind of cultures, what I do for me is follow this general rule that I would like it to ferment at its ideal temperatures for 24 hours or more. So that's kind of a general rule and there may be variances, but with those kind of cultures, if you ferment your dairy for 24 hours or more, you're gonna get a maximum reduction of lactose. So it's pretty cool. So when I make yogurt or kefir, I do make sure to ferment that long and then we end up with a um, basically sugar-free. There's no, no lactose left or if, if any, there's very little. Um, so it's a carb-free food. Whereas with the grains and the beans, this is still bread, okay? It's not carb-free. But the dairy, if you ferment long enough, it will be lactose-free or 
fully lactose reduced because the organisms have eaten it all. So you will have a non, basically a carb free food. So it's really a beautiful thing. Um, so grab the free thick raw milk, raw milk yogurt recipe. Also at the show notes, I have a link to my kefir recipe, which this is actually kefir. And kefir, we tend to ferment um, 48 to uh, 72 hours. So two to three days is how long I ferment the kefir. Um, when you're talking about cheeses and such, like there's spontaneously soured raw milk that you can turn into a clabber cheese. Again, 24 hours or more is great, but there's hard cheeses where you're like culturing the milk for just an hour and then cutting it into curds and then forming it into blocks and pressing it, well, that hour is not long enough to reduce the lactose. So I don't know that I have specific data for you, on how long it takes, but I but I do know that there's certain recommendations, like if you're on a gut healing diet, that you wanna look for cheeses that are aged more than um, 60 days. So, you know, with cheeses, 60 days <laughs> is kind of the rule I follow. Um, and that's the information I have on that. Matthew, you did mention the A2 issue, and I in your question, you said your grass-fed A2 milk so I just want to address that in by saying that the A2 issue for everybody who's wondering has to do with um, the genetic um, property of the milk protein and A2 would be the heritage breed and if it's a non-A2 cow or whatever um, that means there's a genetic mutation that affects the milk protein. So it's really not relevant to our discussion of carbs here but A2 is to be preferred milk. And you'll find it generally with heritage breeds of cows, but there is genetic testing that a lot of dairies do because maybe you have a Jersey cow or a Jersey cross that is no longer A2 anymore. So it does have to be confirmed with genetic testing. I have an article for you at the show notes if you're interested in that. I'm not going to go into it more, but I did want to address it at least briefly because that was your question, Matthew. Okay, so um, I'm going to wrap up by saying that everything we've been talking about today here, reducing carbs, where where you're doing dealing with breads, where you're de- or or beans, or you're dealing with dairy, it works really well with Trim Healthy Mama. And as you may know, um, a couple years ago, I was able to lose more than 30 pounds in a year by combining the traditional foods we love with the principles of Trim Healthy Mama, which means eating the carbs and protein together without fat in meals or snacks, spaced like two and a half hours apart from meals and snacks that are protein fat. So the fat and the carbs are are really never eaten together because they're fuel sources. And if you eat too much of it one sitting, you can store it as fat in your body. So it's very helpful to lose weight. So that's my quick um, Trim Healthy Mama story. And I use these kind of foods a lot to maintain even today to eat that way with the traditional foods I love. So for instance, our no-knead bread has no added fat and the sourdough has you know, helped a lot to reduce the carbs. So this is a very reasonably carbed um, bread to eat in a carb setting or you call it an E setting. Uh, it still is a carb, but it's been reduced through sourdough so it's not a heavy carb. Um, the kefir and yogurt that we do, we start with raw milk culture it, skim the cream away, and I would make butter with it. Um, I would use it as sour cream. Because it's fermented for 24 to 48 hours, it's had a maximum reduction in lactose, so it has no carbs. So this makes it ideal to use in E settings, which are protein and carb, um, because it, it brings no carbs to the table, so you could put it in a carb food where there's no fat, or you can use it as what's called a fuel pull, because it's just protein. Um, 
again, the cream has been skimmed, the lactose has been reduced, or this can be used in an S setting because all it is is protein at this point, so you can add fat and then it would be a protein fat setting, okay? Um, I cannot adequately explain this whole thing, so at the show notes you'll see a link to the brand new Trim Healthy Mama. It's called Trim Healthy Table Cookbook that has um, an explanation, a really good explanation of the plan at the beginning and some wonderful new recipes. Additionally, I have a um, one-week menu plan that combines, if you can see a picture of it there, it combines the traditional foods that I love to eat in a menu plan where you can follow like the S and E um, meals etc. So there's breakfast, lunches, dinners, desserts, and snacks for a whole week that are Trim Healthy Mama with traditional foods. You'd call it Purist, and you'll find a link to that with this recording as well. Okay? Um, I've also got articles for you if you do want more information on my journey, like, you know, the top traditional foods I ate, the lessons I learned, um, how exactly I did it, a little bit more about the plan. But I love, Matthew, your question today because it's a really good one. And actually, it comes up a lot um, because traditional methods can have a, an impact on the foods we eat. They, it makes them more nutritious and digestible in the sense that you're um, deactivating the phytic acid that can inhibit mineral absorption. You can um, neutralize enzyme inhibitors that interfere with digestion. You can pre-digest gluten. And as we're talking about today, gluten is the protein, as we're talking about today, you can also reduce carbs. In the case of your breads and beans, your grains, you'll get somewhat reduction, but you're really, um, you, you can't go totally carb-free on those. So there's a reduction, but not a total reduction. On the dairy, it really depends on the amount of time. And if you do your kefir and yogurt for 24 hours at least, you can reduce the carbs nearly all the way, or 60 days for your aged cheeses. So you've got some really, really good options here, Matthew. And I hope that this has been helpful for you and for you and your family as you build up your health and immunity and lose weight. This is always on my mind as well because I had my 30 pound weight loss a couple years ago and I definitely don't want it back. Um, it's, it's just fantastic to be able to maintain it with these wonderful, beautiful foods and just kind of being smart about how we prepare and combine them. So I really wish you well, and I, I hope you'll keep in touch about how it goes. As I wrap up here, I just wanna let all of you know from my heart, thank you so much for joining Ask Wardy this week. The notes are ready for you at askwardy.tv, so shortly there will be a recording there, but right now you can read along with everything that I've shared, pick up the free menu plan, pick up the um, no-knead bread recipe, pick up my yogurt recipe, they're all linked there for you, as well as additional reading. Like I do have an article on um, the glycemic index of sourdough bread. So glycemic index is somewhat related because the glycemic index is a scale of one to 100 and foods are ranked with their um, one being a low, a blood sugar effect, 100 being a high blood sugar effect. And a really quick tidbit is that if you take just regular non-soured bread, it has a high GI index, meaning it has a quite a big impact on blood sugar. But if you do true sourdough, um, like we've got here, then you move that bread from high to low on the GI index. So there's a whole article that explains more about that. Of course, it's still a bread, it's still a carb, but you can just be much more friendly on your blood sugar um, by using the, the principles of sourdough, okay? 
Um, I look forward to hearing from you all. The comments are open, so continue to add your comments and we will look through them and keep up with them. If you have a question for a future episode of Ask Wardy, I'm all ears, so all the details are at askwardy.tv. Look for this episode 95 for the instructions. And I think that's it. So God bless you all. Thanks so much for being here. Talk to you again in a week. Same time, same place. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining me today. Here's what to do next. Ask Wardy wouldn't be possible without your questions, so please keep them coming. If you're on Twitter, tweet me at TradCookSchool with your question and use the hashtag AskWardy. Or send an email to wardy at askwardy.tv. To get the show notes, links mentioned, video replay, or even to catch up on past episodes of Ask Wardy, go to askwardy.tv. To join the fun of the live video recording, be sure to follow me with the handle at TradCookSchool on the Periscope app, or go to periscope.tv slash TradCookSchool. We record live on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, that's 1 p.m. Eastern. And finally, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the Podcasts app, or Stitcher. If you're on a mobile device, just search for Ask Wardy while you're in the app. If you're on a desktop or laptop, go to tradcookschool.com slash awitunes right in your browser. And while you're there, please leave a rating or review. I love to read your comments and your feedback makes it much more likely that others who are interested in traditional cooking will find Ask Wardy too. Thanks so much. God bless you, and I'll see you next week.